All right, welcome to this week's edition of the Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm Andy Kirikides, and I'm here with my co-host, Keith Glasser. Keith, how are we doing? Great, how are you? I'm excited. We have a special guest, longtime friend, esteemed colleague, the associate head coach from Catholic University, Bobby Picardo, is joining us today. Bobby, thanks for coming. Um, as they say in sports radio, first time, long time, a long time, uh, first time caller, long time listener to the podcast. It's uh, it's great to be here. Uh, special shout out to your biggest fan, my wife. Uh, yep. She doesn't miss an episode as well. So I'm hoping she tunes in to this one uh, next week. That'd be uh, that, that'd be great. So shout out to my wife. Fantastic. Jenny, big fan. Big, big, big long time listener. We're going to have to have Jenny on here eventually. Now the wives' perspective. I think it's a great show. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Bobby, before we start firing questions off, give us a rundown of kind of how you got to where you are in college baseball right now. Absolutely. So uh, as the associate head coach of the program I went to, I, I played a Catholic from 2005 to 2009, uh, where we were really fortunate to win the first two conference championships in the D3 area in 08 and 09. Um, I graduated on a Saturday and on Monday morning, I was wearing a hot dog suit on the corner of route 29 in Trenton, New Jersey, uh, advertising free food, uh, specifically free hot dogs that night. Uh, I interned for the double A affiliate of the New York Yankees. Um, a very humbling experience to be in your cap and gown, go out to the fancy dinner with family. And then all of a sudden you are standing on a busy highway in a major uh, state capital hawking free food. Um, I did that, or in terms, of, I, I interned with the Thunder that entire summer. I was offered a job in ticket sales um, that September, and I can confidently say that that time in minor league baseball, which ultimately wound up being three and a half years uh, deep into the summer of 2012, is a proving ground for anyone in any industry to find out what you like and what you don't like to do. Um, minor league baseball is an all hands on deck. Everyone pulls the tarp literally and figuratively experience. Uh, you're cleaning seats uh, hours after making, I don't know, uh, a $500 ticket sale. Uh, but ultimately um, I realized that I was killing myself for commission on $8 tickets and the next move in that life would be to be an assistant general manager of a smaller team uh, and having to move. And, and frankly, I was done on the sales side. And I always told myself that the minute I was unhappy driving to the ballpark was when I had to get out. Um, I was in charge of non-Thunder events, as in high school baseball, college baseball, the baseball camp, uh, and rentals. And I, I each passing month, I missed being in the dugout uh, more and more. I missed being in between the white lines. I missed honestly having a direct impact on young adults. Uh, I, I headed the internship program and that's what really wanted to make me get back into coaching. And so on a, a January day, I, I realized I was unhappy driving the Thunder Road, uh, called our then athletic director at Catholic, Mike Allen, who's now the president of Barry University down in Miami. And I said, Mike, uh, I want back in. Um, I had sat with Mike the previous May at the NCAA tournament. Uh, and we talked about, I don't know, my career. And I had said that it, it would, it would be fun to come back and help Ross, uh, Ross and Tully are the head coach at Catholic who's been there for 39 seasons. So he's coached, uh, my, he was my coach, uh, as well as two others on our coaching staff right now. And I, I don't know what got into me that night, but I remember talking to Mike on the phone for a while. And I jokingly said that, you know, Mike, I think in 10 years we can get to a college world series and we got there in nine. Um, but I did. And he brought that up to me last time I talked to him is that I made that prediction. Um, it just, I don't know. I, I want, I wanted back in. I, I, I think a lot of guys from our school graduate and they're like, I wish I had another year in a good way. Not like, Oh, they have regrets, but everything just keeps, keeps getting better year in and year out. Each class graduates with more wins than the class in front of them. And, has accomplished more than the class in front of them, whether it be individual accolades or, or team accolades. But that that excitement's been pretty addicting, and that's kind of what keeps me going back 
Um, and honestly, I think I, I speak for the other coaches on staff where I think we're all chasing, chasing this thing here. Um, but that's kind of my, my road back home to DC, um, for a long time when asked where I was from, I'd probably say New Jersey and still do from time to time, but, but DC is home now. Um, and quite frankly, the goal is to win a national championship. Heck yeah, it is. I mean, the run you guys went on last year was it was cool, and I know there were some other complications that uh, you were dealing with personally, flying back and forth. Um, you know, now we got a, a little Picardo to thank, so the the world's better for that. But I, you know that me and Keith were following that extremely closely, and it's been cool to watch you guys build that up. And you know, we we both know Ross, and obviously we know you well, and uh, we follow you guys closely, so. Yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been really fortunate to be around guys that, that put in some incredibly long hours and aren't afraid to try new things and are always trying to learn. I know that sounds so cliche right now to be a, a lifelong learner, to have a growth mindset, but like I vividly remember conversations with you like standing at baseball heaven talking pitching or talking defense not to say like all right well i know this guy can really pick it i know what they're doing down there but like i want to learn things i mean i I think about talking to keith about about catching in particular like the 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 stuff that i know nothing about is honestly the stuff that i have to learn and want to learn and not just want to talk hitting not just want to talk recruiting not just want to talk shop like ask questions from from people that that are are, are with you for 14 hours uh on a, on a tuesday wednesday thursday uh break on a saturday then saturday or sunday monday do it all over again but like i think once you realize that that you enjoy that stuff and that's that that's when you really realize it's not work where it's like you get parents that come up to you at the end of a, of a long event and they're like, Oh man, it's long days for you guys. I just kind of like look at them and they say, well, we're, this is baseball. Like, you know, this is the, the, we, we love this. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Spot on. I mean, some of those conversations you have on the right field or left field line are some of the best ones you can have as a coach. Cause you get a chance to pick somebody's brain and say, Hey man, I saw you guys, you know, we're really good at this year. Like, is there anything you changed? philosophically or you know sometimes the answer is yeah i mean we just had a good team but other times it's like hey we made a change and this is something that we focused on and um i mean the guys like if you're a young coach who's listening to this and you think you're too proud to ask questions like you you need to get comfortable with asking questions because there's so much to learn like people do different things different terminology different way to think of things different way to organize and man it's it's the best way to learn and to to not think that you know everything is a really good place to start to get closer to knowing more just when you think you know everything you're about to get smacked in the face by this game real fast it comes to i said about this past season it's not how you start it's how you finish we only ever say that when we're struggling all right we get off to a bad start it's not how you start it's how you finish we don't ever say that when we're cruising and i think that's something that we learned this year and then, I, honestly, my my best piece of advice for younger coaches is would would be understanding that you learn more in years that you lose than years that you win. Don't be that guy who only calls and talks about. And I say this to you guys on the phone. Don't be the guy who only calls to talk on the phone when they're winning. Like, to be honest, you should be calling people when you lose. To figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure we're going to touch on this at some point, but how kids fail is a big part of the process and I mean, it's inevitable, but yeah, we'll, we'll get on that a little bit later, but coach glass, you want to open up the, the question box here for coach Picardo? Sure. Bobby. The first question we ask everyone, since you're a long time listener, you know, um, but how do you guys go about identifying players at Catholic? The easy, the easy part is, seeing a good baseball player, they, they hit well, they run well, they throw well, they pitch well. Um, what we like to look for are guys that have shown improvement because a lot of the events and a lot of the communication we've had with guys is over the course of two years, uh, some longer, some a little bit shorter, but with technology now you can go back and look at someone. And I love to look back at maybe their first video online and see what they ran. And I'm not saying the 60 yard dash, I'm not married to it in any way, but I love seeing a guy who was like a seven, five runner as a sophomore 
get down to a seven two. So like that tells me right away, this kid works on the stuff that sucks to work on because no one wakes up and says, Oh, I can't wait to run today. Those that do run track and field cross country, that they, the baseball players don't do that. No one's waking up and saying, I can't wait to run today. I say it to guys all the time. We get up, we run, we hit and we lift. We take ground balls. We throw heavy stuff against the wall. If we're a pitcher now, but show me the guy that's that's going to strive to get a little bit better at the stuff that's hardest to work on, and that's foot speed, arm strength. Uh, that that's a product of the Ross and Tolley School of Baseball recruiting. Is is the two things that command the most playing time at the college level are, are foot speed and arm strength. And I always get kid for trying to have nine DHs uh, in the field because I love hitting, but it really is looking for those hitters who know that to command playing time, they're going to have to do something defensively. Uh, and that means working on the two hardest things that, um, that are out there to improve. It's, it's, it's the hardest too. I, 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 I stand by that. Um, so that's what we look. I look for guys that have shown improvement. Um, I've all, I also look to see how guys handle failure. So when I get to an event or get to a game, I actually root for guys to struggle a little bit because I want to see how they handle that adversity. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that every player that's ever slammed their helmet, I've crossed off a list, but I want to see how, how ready they are to bounce back. There's a lot of emotion in this game, but the guys that can keep it to an even keel, that stands out to me a little bit in an event. Yeah, I mean, I think the Andy touched on it a little bit. I don't even know if we were talking about this yet or if we were live, but the, you know, we've talked about it on here before too a lot. Like the the you can learn a lot more when kids struggle in the recruiting process than if everything's going super easy. And the same, you know, same thing to your point. Like if you're, you know, when you're losing as a coach, like you should be calling people and talking too. Um, you know, it's the it's the same with players. Like we go through this process, and like you can you're trying to figure out as a coach, like what is this kid going to be able to fit into our program? And is this kid going to be like, is he going to be coachable? And what does he do when he fails? Because in like, you know, as well as I do, and everyone who's come on here says, it's like, you're going to get into the fall of your freshman year and you're going to get dominated. Whether or not you're like, there's going to be an outing where you're going to get just lashed on the, on the hill. There's going to like, there's going to be pitchers that are going to be punching you out left and right. You know, what are you going to do in those moments in their freshman year? Like, do do they fit with me? Like, are they going to be coachable? Like, what does that look like? You know, I think that that's one thing that, you know, we try to kind of hammer home to people. It's like, hey, man, like, it's okay to fail. Like, you're going to fail. This game is a game of failure. But, like, how you respond to that, like, people are watching. And, I, you know, I don't know about you, but, I like, I never wore anything RPI unless I was working at camp. Right. right. It, it's, it, it's, I mean, that's what's so nice too. I, I, I'm live from Ocean City, New Jersey right now, where when COVID hit, uh, everything was shut down, uh, but some states opened. And I remember school was shut down, came here with my family, and a travel team in Texas had a live stream on. And I tuned in. I watched on the on the front porch here uh, just to get back into it, had my stopwatch out, but really use that opportunity to watch how some of these kids handled some things. And, and I remember circling some names on, hey, how he just he bounced right back. He had a bounce back inning. He had, his second at bat was better. He didn't make the same like he took a first pitch fastball runners in scoring position his first time up. He didn't do it that second time. Um, but that's what I mean is like. It's it's not just about going to the game anymore. What COVID taught us was we got to trust our eyes on film again. I, I think we all get wrapped up sometimes in being there, being there, being there. And there's there's a, a huge part of that. But if if the technology is out there, I think you got to take advantage of it, but also still look for those little things a little bit. Like, but it's it's also like looking at a kid when they send an email, do they have feel in that? the video has appropriate music. I'm not saying it has to be Vivaldi and classical music, but it, but it, it, it can't be inappropriate. You know, it, it, this is, I, I want to be able to trust a guy. If I open the weight room for him and I'm doing something else, he's not going to put on uh, music. That's going to get a coach in trouble. Um, I, I, the best compliment we received, I think this year was from another coach in the school was like, Hey, you know, your, your guys are in here all the time and they've always put the clean version of, of the Spotify playlist on. And I was like, that's when, you know, a team is paying attention to what a coach is saying. So it's, it's finding a way to look at some of those other things, how they, how they, they carry themselves, 
not not just this results based industry four for four two doubles a jack and and, and a single yeah that's great that that's the easy that's easy to look look for but how do they go about it no it's i think one of the tricky things sometimes is getting kids to understand that even the moment it doesn't go their way can still be a positive right like not just how you react to it but talked to a, a couple guys hitting and I, I don't know if this is something that you look at Bobby but one of the things that I've been queuing in on is can guys elevate the ball pull side like they got some hand strength they got some bat speed like they can get this velocity like I think it's a good thing and I want to be able to see a kid that can pull a ball pull side with a little bit of and I've seen kids hit like a deep high fly ball to left field right-handed hitter and you can tell that they're not happy with it but I want those kids to know like those are the swings that can cue a coach to like, okay, it's in there. Like, you can fail on the score sheet and still be successful in the eyes of a coach, right? Like, oh, yeah. we all know the kid who goes two for four and he hit a 14 hopper through the six hole and he dumped one over the first baseman's head and he got a jam shot. And, like, that's great. You got hits. But coaches are not looking at the results the way that players think that they are. Now, I, I, I've told guys before that in some of this one-one count showcase baseball that we've all been around a lot, you, I'll tell guys before the game, guys, the fastball's coming. And you'd be surprised with how many kids take that fastball. I, I tell kids all the time that I've recruited guys off of guys that were fouled the ball straight back on one-one in the showcase game, but I love the swing path. I didn't care about the result. I said, this, this kid is coachable. He listened, fouled it straight back. He just missed it. Hitting's the hardest thing to do in sports, but that kid's coachable right there. That shows me a lot. I, the, the old expression that scouts used to talk to players when I remember when Cuba was closed was they said, you can't walk off the Island as in we want guys to swing. I, I, I jokingly say it to guys again, whereas you, you can't walk off this showcase. We're not, I, I don't go to see guys walk per se when, when I, I want to see guys obviously with plate discipline, but I, I go out there and hunt like that, that. Timid does not play. No, and it certainly won't play in college when you got guys are going to throw more strikes. You find yourself taking that OO fastball that's catching a little bit too much white. Now that guy can get to his breaking ball. Now he can go to try to edge some stuff. Like the details when you get to college matter so much more. And like you don't you don't get the freedom to take that first pitch if it's a good first pitch. Like one of the things that we used to preach at William and Mary is that it's not about necessarily hitting a bunch of missiles off of a guy. It's about setting the tone that if you make a mistake or you throw a strike that we're getting good swings off because it's a nine inning game and you're trying to set the tone for the series as well that, Hey, if you think you're going to middle middle balls and get away with it, you're, you're wrong. And if you set that aggressive tone offensively, now that guy's a little bit worried, like, Hey, I can't throw this OL fastball to a third anymore because every single one of these dudes is, is on time. Now I got to try to edge it. Well, guys start to edge stuff. Now you find yourself in one O counts. And hitting gets a lot easier. My fa- so, my favorite my favorite count it, one one zero. Your eyes have to light up. Um, it, we we had a really good year on OO last year. Um, I think we have a very coachable offense. It, it's still getting them to to be okay coming out of their shoes on one zero. I, I just yeah you, you get asked more why questions than ever before right now. And I, I tell guys one zero. We are sitting on a fastball. I don't care who's listening from our conference that wants to throw one Oh curves or one Oh changeups. We're hunting a fastball because more times than not, you're going to get that pitch. And and if you miss, you're going to miss pull side foul. Fine. But just let, let, have some fun with that one. Um, it, it goes back to, to, to later in the count. If it's it, it, the first two strikes, George Brett and the Kansas city Royals drove this home really well. Uh, the, the first two strikes are for you. The third strikes for the team. Like that, that's, I, I want guys aggressive. I want them not afraid to fail, go out there and, 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 and hunt. But when you get the two strikes, Hey, now it's about, Hey, and you talk about this, a nine inning game, maybe you foul off two pitches and punch out after, after, but instead of a 
four pitch at bat. It's now being a seven pitch at bat. That that changes the next guy, or that changes the two guys down the way because he might have seen something later that he goes back to. So it's it, it's trying to make guys understand. Back to our original point about it's okay to fail, but but be aggressive. You touched on the social media stuff and the use of technology. So I think this is a good segue into this question. How do you use it for uh, recruiting? Like, is it something that you focus in on? Is it something you use to supplement? Do you identify guys with it? Like, how does it play into what you guys do? I love Twitter. I think it's it, it gets better by the day in terms of how many good accounts there are out there covering events. Uh, the New Jersey state games at Diamond Nation were a can't miss event. Uh, I was one of few division threes there. I remember this in, in 2014. Um, it was loaded, but I went and I, you, you saw great baseball. The last couple of years, I haven't been able to get there, but the amount of coverage of those events online, I, I feel like I was there. And what COVID taught us was how to use technology again or how to, how to really trust video. I remember we all had VHS tapes where the three of us are old enough to have a VHS recruiting tape. Now guys can can send you a, a tiny file and you can watch it. But but Twitter has been great. We use that to identify guys. Um, and then I don't I don't go the direct message route the way I know some schools do. But if, if a kid's email address and sells it, cell phone is in there, we're we're going to contact that guy and tell them we like what we saw because again. There's so many highlights on there that you know who they're playing, you know who they're facing. There are no secrets anymore. I, I, I love that people talk about like, oh, you know, like this guy's at every event, at every event, at every event. You can go to your event and be where your feet are, but you can also in between games check on another state, another tournament. Like I, I know while I'm at one event, hey, I'm going to be present. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do when I'm here, but, you know, after that event's over back in the hotel, I'm going to probably tune into something else I missed and see, Hey, just because I wasn't able to go see a kid pitch doesn't mean there's not ways to, to find out how they did. Um, and that's communicate with the travel coach and, and see, and that's, I, I think the travel programs, the best ones have incredible social media presence in posting what coaches want to see. It's not about commitment graphics. It's, it's about, accurate rosters it's about accurate contact information stop lying about gpas like honestly travel coaches get the transcript from each kid and that's the gpa you put on there do not let that get filled out as i'm a three five but you're not a three five it's going to get recalculated get the transcript have it on there but um it's we use it every day honestly we're we're using Twitter, Instagram a little bit, um, but that's the, we're, we're going to identify guys there and then try and see how we can go see them. I love Twitter. It's amazing. Need, need Elon to keep it where it's at. They're not, don't, don't mess with a good thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the, it opens up more doors, right? Like, you know, and I was, I did the same thing you're talking about. Like you're at, you're on the West coast at an event and there's something going on back East. Like you could flip on your phone and some downtime and see a couple of things on your phone where you're like, wow. Okay. Like I, I, I need to go see that kid. Like I, he's reached out to us. That's something that we, you know, I need to get on when I get back East. Um, you know, but it opens up more doors and kind of makes it, you know, I, I think for, you know, for school, like when I was at RPI and for school, you know, you're at Catholic, like you, like you are recruiting nationally. Right. Like, you know, it like you're not just a regionally based school. So like you need to be able to have, you know, your a couple irons in the fire from all over the place. And this this may, you know, Twitter specifically, because we're talking about it here, like that makes it far easier and more accessible for you and the, the rest of the staff to be able to do it. Um, I mean, I love Ross. I don't know how much Ross is on Twitter, but I, I feel like if Ross is on Twitter, they would be like you guys would have a lot more guys on your list. So he asked, he actually, and he doesn't mind me telling the story. He asked about Twitter the other day and was like, hey, is this something I need to be doing more of? I, I said, we're just going to keep sending you video from it, links to it, and that's all you have to do. Like, I just keep watching and, hey, teach them how to scroll and look out. But you, you touched on a big thing about national recruiting. 
my recruiting philosophy at Catholic has been, I, I want to, like our, our school's title is the Catholic University of America. That's been my goal is that I want our roster to have kids from all over the country. We're not just the Catholic University of 95. Don't get me wrong. That's been our bread and butter for the longest time. But when we started changing our ranking regionally to nationally, it was on it was on the heels of of going out west, going south, going targeting a city a year. I did it with Charlotte, North Carolina. I, I identified a city in 2000. It was, it was the end of 2013. I, for some reason, I. I I'll give a shout out to Jeff Schaefer and Carolina baseball centers, but I remember meeting this guy who played at Maryland, played for the Mariners, for the White Sox at an event. He talked about Charlotte Catholic, Charlotte Christian, just a, a, a good, a good starting point. But we also got a pitcher from Audrey Kell in Charlotte that same year. And I, I just tried to pick a city every year, um, usually with a strong Catholic parish, but, we have all different faiths on our roster. So it's not limited to that, but Hey, let's, let's pick a different city, see how we can do this year in that city. It doesn't mean just because you picked that city or we've identified that city as a staff uh, that we have to offer someone from there. There've been a couple that, Hey, didn't work out and that's fine, but you never know down the road. Some of those contacts we made high school coach wise could, could be a game changing player. Right. What now you touched on this a little while ago when we were, you know, you were talking about guys who, you know, work on the things that suck. Um, you know, but how much do metrics factor into your guys' evaluation? Whether it's I mean, you can pick what you want or, or, or kind of go on whatever, but like whether it's exit velo or 60 or arm velo, whatever that is, like you know, how much do you guys value that and how much stock do you put in it in the process when you're recruiting? It's not so the pit pitching velocity. That's that's going to trigger a text message or a phone call. I don't get married to exit velo on a video. I, it's more looking at a swing in an at bat when it comes to film or at a game. And I use that. I use those metrics after to either move the guy up on the list or again, it's it's filtering tools. It's comparing it to if player A and player B do the same thing. I, I'm then going to look at the metrics and say, okay, he runs, he run, he's faster. The, the, the numbers hopefully don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> Listeners, don't lie about your 60. Don't lie about your metrics. Please don't be that guy. Don't tell me you're, if, if I ask you, what do you run? Don't say you run a seven, three, when really you're running a seven, six. Don't lie about it. That's uh, that, that's important, but we use it as filtering tools. We're still going to trust our eyes and look at a skill set. Um, and then go from there. Pitching, uh, velo plays. If if you're going to see, that's how winning is done is pitching. So the metrics on the pitching side, not run and gun. I, I mean, maybe I don't mean to speak for our pitching coaches, but we're talking in game velocity. Still is going to trigger a text message or an email. I want to ask you about the the velo piece for pitchers. Because you've had some guys who throw hard. Yep. Right? Like, and you've had some guys that, you know, I, one guy who's coming there in the fall, you know, he made a 80 to 83 jump, and now he's 85, 88. But, like, you're probably not getting the dude who's 87, 89 in high school right now. It's rare. It's 85. To, right now, last year's class on the right-handed side was was pretty much 84 to 86. There's a couple who are 85 to 87 on the left-handed side. As you said, it was 80, 83 at the high school recruiting period. You're looking at that kid. You're getting to know that kid and then find out where you think that projectability and that velocity is going to be. You ask them questions. Again, it goes back to the, do they work on the stuff that sucks to work on? Because if they get in better shape, they're going to throw hard. Um, so you're, you're, I, I talk about division three recruiting a lot of times as, as similar to, pro scouting in that you're looking at how many tools they're going to develop. You're looking at an expected tool where we're not getting four tool players. We're getting two tool guys. We're getting a guy that can really hit and really run or, and then what else is he going to develop glove wise? We're getting a kid that can really hit, but he runs a seven, seven. The first all American I coached was a seven, seven runner his senior year. Uh, and really could swing it from the left side. And they said the swing plays. 
the craziest part about Brennan Cotter was he didn't step on the field till his junior year when he started running a seven three. Like he had to get in college shape to do that. Um, so to your to your question, we're gonna at least shoot our shot on some guys, especially in this age of the log jam where it's the golden age of college baseball. The 20 round draft doesn't do it justice. Because if we were in a 46 round draft, we'd see more division three players drafted than ever before because a 20 round draft changes the changes baseball. College baseball has never been better across the board. Um, So you shoot your shot. I mean, just kid goes to a a school that we've recruited really well. I'm going to have a conversation with this high school coach and I want to be at the top of his D three list. Am I realistic that it's, it's, it's rare the kids pick division three over division one. That's you have to have self-awareness in this industry. And a lot of times they're going with the division one, they're going with the sticker on the back. And I do tell kids a lot that I don't necessarily blame them. I don't believe in wrong choices. We just hope that the choice choice you make is with us. Um, But you shoot your shot. You, You at least reach out and you say, you know, this 86 to 88 guy, you might want to pitch right away here. You might, or you you can if, if if you live up to your potential, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to play. We've had we've chased Velo before, and it hasn't worked. Whereas we've lost the guys in tournaments in the conference or in the NCAA's that were 79 to 81 in the recruiting process on the left side, and they've given us a fit. What did a kid like Tucker Olds look like in high school? He's the one who sticks out to me because you know I mean he's at 90 93 righty like. Six foot, he was six foot four, throwing 82 to 84, but very projectable, clean mechanics, uh, great bounce back the next day. If you get the, the luxury of seeing a kid pitch back to back days, you'll know right away. If they sustain that velocity over two days and two outings, circle that name and pursue that kid. And that, that has a lot to do with the shape they're in. Um, if they can bounce back even two days later, I, I the last week, um, two weeks ago up in Boston, a kid pitched on a Monday and was 84 to 86. And on Wednesday, he was 83 to 85. And right away, that told me this kid on two days rest came in for one inning to help it, to help his team win, that he sustains that. But yeah, Tucker was every was not throwing an 86-mile-per-hour fastball until he got to us in the fall. He had a breakout senior year his spring because he worked really hard that winter and didn't rest on – Hey, I'm just going to do the same thing. He kept getting better. And then each year there was two miles per hour, three miles per hour, because he was consistently challenging himself to work on those things, whether it's playing in the summer against better competition and finding out real fast that you're not as good as you think you are, or asking some hard questions of scouts or, or other coach. Like I, I have no problem asking other coaches, Hey, what'd you think of someone? And, and really good ones will share that information. Um, but it's it's about projectability and trying to get to know that player and see that they have it in them to, to add another tool. I like that. I'm still going to – the name that comes to mind, that Ross and Tully had Randy Bednar, uh, went to Maryland, came, yeah. to our, came, came to our camp as a freshman. I threw him BP. He hit six out in 10 swings. I remember Ross offering him. And I, I laugh about it to this day, but at the same time, it's like who knows? Who knows what's going to happen over the course of a career? Um, and people, I think, pick best fit now a little bit more than ever because the transfer portals scared them. Um, so I really do think that guys are finally starting to worry less about the bumper sticker and actually get on campus, get to know the team and say, yeah, I can see myself getting better here. Yeah. I used to always, uh, you know, I, you and I have had this conversation long before this podcast, but I like, I have always been of the belief of like, make the kid tell you no. Right. Like, and especially nowadays, like it's, you know, I, I would much rather reach out to a kid and be like, Hey, this is what we got. You know, we're interested. Let us know if you are. And if they're not fine, if they are awesome, like, you know, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get that kid, but at the very least, like your foot's in the door and now you can have a conversation about what's going on in your program and, and how to move forward. Absolutely. Take your shot. It goes for coaching too. It's like, it, it, you know, Players, email, reach out to schools, coaches, do the same. <laughs> you, you never know 
in a way, who's on the other line, what their connection might be, who had a family member that came here or who, right? I, I think it's funny sometimes players don't look at coaches' bios. You know, get a kid from my home high school or rival high school didn't read my bio and says I go to Middletown South and I respond right away. It's like, all right, t- tell me how, how the cafeteria is doing. You know, it's like you, you we're not looking for timid ever. You talked about the metrics. We got to ask you this question too. Rankings. How much do they play in for you? Maybe I'm, this is the old school piece of me. I, I, I still wait and see who's, made what newspaper or major publications, all state and all conference and all division. Um, I can't tell you the, the state rankings of our players. The one year I got really married to their perfect game ranking and where we were in that recruiting class. Some of those guys have done well. Some of those guys haven't. Like it, I think there's so much subject and objectivity on both ends of all of it. I still wait and see how guys did at the end of the year. Um, but I'm, I, I'm not. I, I, you can't it's what I say it's like sometimes if you start chasing velo bad things happen sometimes if you start chasing a, a perfect game ranking or a PBR ranking more than trusting your eyes things can go south quickly but it's not for, for us I, I can't tell you what Mac Mira was ranked on PBR but I can tell you that he was all Mercer County and made the Carpenter Cup team I, I, I can't tell you what what Jacob Scarless's PBR New York profile ranking was, but I know he won a state for the first time since 2004 when a, when a certain tattooed catcher did a pretty good job there at Columbia High. 2004, Columbia High School, baby. That's right. Oh, that's great. Well, that segues into high school stats. Like, I don't know, my stance has always been they matter, but they don't. Like you always have to take them within context. But being really good is a good place to start. But I'd be curious to get your your thoughts on like how you read into that. Like you have a really good pulse on specific areas and the level of competition, which I think is really important to understand that like not all four hundreds are created equal. But w- what are your thoughts on that? It's, it's strength of schedule. Yeah, and, and I I've had a public high school player in a week conference be a three-year all-conference guy. I've had a Catholic school one-year varsity player be a three-year all-conference guy. So it is not all, not all 400s are created equal, know who they're playing against, uh, try and see how they've done against certain pitchers. There, there are no secrets anymore. You can look the stuff up. It's, it's not the coolest girl in school doing the book anymore. You know, as we all as as we all had shout out to to all of the different managers we had at Middletown South that, that did the book for us back in the day. Um, it's about who they're playing against and do they play winning baseball? I, I still talk to high school coaches as much as I talk to travel coaches because I want to know, do they play winning baseball? And what are they like on a day to day basis? The first question I asked a high school coach last week was, what's he like as a teammate? Because that that is the day to day. That that's who's going to be with us on a day to day basis. Obviously, high school stats matter, but this is baseball. There, there are guys that are going to have breakout senior years, and this is a Division three characteristic. I mean, against guys I played against in high school who I thought were surefire D one guys that didn't have a big year till their senior spring, and the only schools that were recruiting them were Division threes. So. You're you're recruiting guys before their best season because if their school's any good, their best year is going to be their senior year. So it goes back to projection. Hey, he might not have played a lot as a junior because there was an all-state guy in front of him. What's he going to do next spring? That's what you're going to ask the high school coach. And a good high school coach will be able to tell you. Yeah, I think the the high school piece and that, you know, we've talked about that on here as well. Like the, the amount of stock that gets put into it without the context behind it, I, I think is the important piece, you know, because there's so much more that, that goes into your numbers and who, like who you're playing against and what you're doing, you know, because sometimes that 500 against super soft competition isn't going to necessarily translate into the next level, you know, whereas that, that grind out three hundo against, you know, really, really good competition is going to play at the college level because that's what you're going to see day in and day out. 
you know, so it's, I think those are the hard things to kind of get people to, to think about because it's like, well, yeah, he hit 470. Like, okay, like, but against who? Like, what, like, was this a bet against like 68 to 70 every day? Or are we like, you know, upper 70s, low 80s day in and day out and really good high school pitching? Like, what does that look like? We still um, go watch, we still go watch high school games because of it. And what high school games are we going to watch? We're going to watch the state playoffs. Mm hmm. Yeah, because you're you're getting the best, what should be the best in the state at right. that time. And with that added pressure bonus, you know, they're they're. I love the way certain states do it, where over the course of one day, with a place with lights and a place without, you could see two games in one day within 25, 30 minutes of each other, and you're going to see four teams. And you know, I, I, I joke to try to. My father wanted to come on a recruiting trip one year. And it was really just to go watch a, a smaller school divisional championship uh, state semifinal. He wanted to go to the big game where all the scouts were going to be. But I was like, listen, all these guys are committed. We got to go to this game. And it just it you got there. Watch I.O. for both teams. You might see something in I.O. that says, OK, I miss this kid. I, I, I don't this kid's on. I haven't seen this kid yet. I might see him in a year or two. But those are the high school games I want to watch because good teams and the added pressure bonus to it. There, there have been names circled from an IO and a, and a high school coach had said, yeah, this kid's a, he's a rising. He'll be a, a junior next September. Or he'll, he'll be a, he'll be a senior, but he hasn't played a whole hell of a lot yet, but he took IO before a state game and he played like it meant it. Right. And I think the, the, the important piece of that too, is that you're, you're constantly being evaluated. Right. Like oh, it doesn't, it doesn't stop once you actually commit and get to college, like you're going to be evaluated every single day by the coaching staff, you know, and that like, it's, it's a constant in your life. Like when you opt into wanting to play high level college baseball, like, and I, I should just say when you, if you opt in to play college baseball, because like, you're going to be pretty good no matter what, where you end up, like you're, you're opting into the competition and the the fact that you are going to be, judged and critiqued and coached literally every single day for the next four or five. If we have another pandemic, seven, eight, nine years of your college career. Get that, get that master's degree. <laughs> I got guys in RPI getting their PhD. Come on. Playing six years of college baseball. PhD. Walking out there with a doctorate degree. It's amazing. PhD from Delaware. In Delaware, I got two other guys that are in the PhD program there. Well, they're not my guys anymore, but I'll still call them my guys forever. But they're they're in the PhD program. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I joked with one one of our guys who was get, who just finished up at Villanova with his MBA, and I, I just I joked when I said, you know, the hitting facility named after your family is going to look great here with that Villanova MBA. But guys want to chase it and keep playing. I love it. Like, I'm, I, huh. It's a really special time in college baseball. It can be really complicated and really disheartening at times, but this is the best it's ever looked. And, and I think a message out from from this is it's never been easier to watch college baseball easier right. like, ever. Like our guys watch almost too much at times. Like I, It's really cool to hear the conversations on Saturday morning our guys watching their buddies play in college the way we watch our buddies coaching. You know, it's like, I, I can't believe right. how much Friday night division one baseball I've watched on ESPN plus the last four years. It's yep. been great. And and you learn stuff from it. Like it, it's one thing to be watching your buddies coach, but you're going to pick up on something. That, and it's the same way players, please be self-aware and you watch these games online. You, you, are you better than this kid? Ask yourself that. No, I'm not better than him. I'm no, you see the deal. I'm, I, I I'm as good as he is and, and be confident and be yourself, but be self-aware. And, you know, we ask kids all the time at camps or at clinics, like how many of you have seen a division three baseball game? And, you know, I'm thrilled to hear guys raise their hands and say, I have, because I've watched them online and that's awesome. Like, there's, there's, hey, I gotta keep saying it. There are no secrets anymore. Like, just getting you're, you're able to watch serious college baseball, and really good feeds are gonna have metrics on there for those guys that are chasing numbers, and that's fine. But be self aware about it. Yeah, I mean, there's no. This is the easiest it's been ever, which is yeah. awesome. Like it's I just said, I, I, I flip it on, and we just sit there and watch baseball all day. It's amazing. I love it. 
But like you're in the, you know, you're in the, what are they called? The DMV? Yeah. Right. You know, we're not too far from each other. We were a lot closer before I moved. Right. Used to, used to pop over to Catholic games, <laughs> mysteriously awesome. pop in and see you and Ross. Um, but like if you're in an area like DC, go to a game. Like Sunday is Georgetown, I, I, GW, Catholic, George Mason, Maryland. Like I'm missing a bunch. But if you're in one of these metropolitan areas and you're not going to a Sunday noon start when you're not playing, you're missing it. You're missing it. Go see what Tucker Alts looks like in person. Like go see what the Catholic roster looks like in person. And then pop over and go see GW and start to see the differences and the similarities. And I think it's a huge part of the self-awareness piece that you're talking about. But I also think it's a part of the education of it, which is something that which is why we started doing this in general is most people don't know how good you have to be to play college, period. Never mind played at a really high level. And when you go see the different tiers of college baseball, you start to realize there's some really good players everywhere in that, you know, division three baseball isn't, you know, it's not, I think Keith refers to it. It's like, it's not 13th grade. Like you need to be good period. And it doesn't really hit home until you go and watch and you're like, Oh, okay. That first baseman, six foot three, 200 pounds. And it's got 11 home runs this year. I hit one in high school last year. All right, well, there's definitely a gap. And I think that that's important for people to to experience. Um, before, see how the game is played. Before you, parents sink all this money into the process, use those Sundays. And I, and, and it's the recruiting process is absolutely exhausting for parents. But if you can take a couple Sundays and go watch one D3 game, one D2 game, one D1 game, and by all means, go watch a JUCO game too, you're going to know right away, can I or can I not compete at this level? Yep. Yep. And I think the, and we talk about this, but the the game, it's a different game, right? It's still 60 feet six, still 90 feet in between bases. What's the distance between home and second, Keith? 127, three and three, seven inch. Exactly. That doesn't change, but how the game is played, the level of detail, the level of precision, the tempo, the the speed, it's different. Uh, It's a team game. It's about winning. You're playing offense. You're not hitting. You're playing defense. You're not just pitching. Like it's, it's a, it's a much more complete game that isn't dominated by a couple really good players who can have a huge impact on a game. Um, and that's an important thing to not only understand as you go through the process, but it's also an important thing as you get ready to go onto a college campus that you're not there just to take batting practice and throw hard. Like you need to learn how to operate as a college player. You need to be able to do to your point, first two strikes are for you. Third strikes for the team. Like, those are things that in college baseball, they matter. Like a ball in play, an eight pitch at bat, like the trickle down effect it has into a series and how it can change how a series plays out. Like those are things, those are the nuances that it's hard to appreciate it. It's hard to get educated on it without actually seeing it and watching it. Yeah, I think the, 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 the if you live, this is a, a general blanket statement I'm going to make here. But if you live essentially from New England to the mid-Atlantic, you can see so many really good baseball teams play across all three divisions that, like, you really don't have an excuse to not really, like, at least try, right? Like, you're not going to be able to do it every week. But, like, you know, like, you can go watch the the SEC and the ACC on ESPN Plus, the ACC Network, you can do all that from the comfort of your own home. But, like, you know, like, when I was at RPI, like, you had RPI, Skidmore, Union, Albany, Siena, St. Rose. You can cover all five. You can cover all three divisions right there. And St. Rose, like, you know, St. Rose, is, they, they've had better years of late, but, like, they also play in the, the, the NE10, which is, like, the NE47. 
Um, but you know, that's like Franklin Pierce and Southern New Hampshire. Like there's really, really good division two baseball teams in that league. Like go find one of those games and watch them. You know, you got Siena, they're in the Mac, New Albany, America East. Like, you know, it's division one baseball. Go watch it. Super easy. I live in Rochester now. You have U of R, RIT, St. John Fisher, all really good. Um, you can get to Buffalo in an hour, a little over. Go watch Canisius and Niagara. Nothing's in Syracuse, unfortunately. Well, no, Lemoyne. I take it back. Lemoyne. Lemoyne's yeah. now Division One in Syracuse. They were Division Two, but they were hey. Division Division One back in the day with us, and they were really freaking good when Steve Owens was running the show. Oh yeah, they had a bunch of big leaguers out of that, out of those teams. Perino. Yeah, they were really good. But yeah, I mean, it gets to the point. Like, if you live near a city in the Northeast. You don't really have an excuse to not go see games. Yeah, you might have to drive an hour, but you drive three and a half hours to go to some rinky-dink travel ball tournament in July. Like, you know, drive an hour and a half and go watch a, you know, a really good college game. Like, it's fun. And you learn, get to see the campus. Like, there's a ton of benefits to it. You might get you might get a hoodie out of the deal from the bookstore. Who knows? Who knows? Ice cream post-game? I don't know. <laughs> So, all right, we we digress. What else you got here, Keith? I know what our closer is. It's a standard question. Well, I, I was going to say, like you mentioned earlier, you, you, when you open up the weight, weight room earlier for guys, like how like how much do you guys get your how much do you value the like guys being in the weight room prior to getting to campus, and how much do you guys get in the weight room once they're on campus? Uh similar to the not all 400s are created equal not all high school strength programs are created equal um a lot of guys train with personal trainers a lot of guys do their training with travel teams we know there's going to be a building block phase when they first get there and we want to cover key lifts bench deadlift squat make sure everyone's doing things correctly uh during the division three fall season we try and do two days a week as a team once the fall season's over we're four days a week as a team when we get back in January, it's probably three days a week as a team. Um, it's, uh, I God, I know we, we try and avoid cliches on this show, but the weight room is not for everybody. Neither is playing time. It, it is one of those, you will, your gains and how you're doing against the person to the left and the person to the right, you will pass them if you put the time in, in there efficiently and do what you're supposed to do and don't put yourself and your personal goals ahead of what's going to help you on the field. Don't, don't be lifting because someone told you to do this workout and then be sore the next day and not be able to perform and be evaluated. But you've, you've got to, you've got to put that time in because someone else is going to, someone else is going to take that message about projectability and, and, and getting from here to here player development wise and they're gonna put that time in if you don't someone else is going to it's got to be the biggest gap for kids is the physicality piece like how do you become a college baseball player you need to get strong you need to get fast you need to throw things hard you need to hit things hard a really good way to do it is to be in the weight room and i mean i can't i can't stress it enough like it's one of the biggest gaps for a high school kid, in my opinion, is how quickly can you get acclimated from a physicality perspective? I mean, what was the what was the number they had for the Division One College World Series? Like the average weight of the players on the eight rosters was like two hundred and five pounds. Like Florida's average weight was like two seventeen. Don't tell me that being big and strong and athletic isn't a difference maker. And it's yeah, genetics plays a role in it. But like those kids have, you have the ability to impact that due to some hard work. Like you can control that to a certain extent. That graphic they posted was the most important stat of the college world series this year. I think that's a fair statement, coach Picarda. So that segues into, I think our, our final question. We got two questions to close this out. One, what do you think is the biggest learning curve for kids when they get to campus? You know, it's, it's easy to say time management, but it really is because instead of having seven classes, practice, go home, do it again the next day, you might have two classes. You might have three. You might be done every day at noon. 
and you've got a good four hours before practice. What are you doing in those four hours? You might be at a school where practice is from 12 to 2. What are you doing with the rest of that time? And it's how you use that downtime. And I'm not saying it has to be all work all the time, because the thing I missed most about college when I first graduated was that shared downtime. But what I didn't do enough of that I try and really drive home as a coach is we try and get a little bit of homework done before we come to the field, before we come to the gym, get a little bit of work done before so it allows you to spend that much more time in the dining hall hanging out at the table with the guys. Like I miss, I miss that. Like I love those times, but you know, it's a lot easier if you can get a little bit of work done before school, but that's it. It's time management. It really is. Like it's such a cliche answer, but if that's that free time, you have so much more free time. It's like the, everyone in college goes through that phase where the nap becomes a part of the, like their staple, because, you know, it's great. You can, you can go to sleep for a little while. And, and But it's, what are you doing with all that extra downtime? Because you've never had this much free time. You've never had this many distractions. You've never been, college at times is is not reality. It's not the real world. It's a, it's a completely different experience. So what are you doing with that downtime? Like how you spend that time is going to affect everything you do, whether it be academically, athletically, or career-wise, because too often we talk about just academics and baseball, academics and baseball. It's got the, the career piece has to be a part of this as well. It's a great answer. Keith, you want to provide the closing question for Coach Picarda? Bookhead. Um, what advice would you give to an incoming, to anyone who's going to play college baseball this fall? Close the yearbook. No one wants to hear about how good your high school team was. Don't wear your varsity jacket. Don't wear your championship ring. Close the yearbook. No one, and the biggest one as a Division Three coach, no one cares what Division Ones were recruiting you. You're here. So be where your feet are. Stop and close the yearbook. God, that's such a good answer. I just, I, I can't believe that I still think back to like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say their names, but like, I still think back to the guys that I remember fall of freshman year, guys talking about what division ones were recruiting them. Well, they, they did not, you're here. So, and, and, and you, you know, there were, there were seniors that year that were just, they had a lot of pride by then. And, and that's when we struggled. We were, we were a 15 win team my freshman year. We won, th- we won 29 games my, my junior year. By that time, it's only the freshmen that ever talk about their high school team or what schools are recruiting them or how many how many of their teammates went division one. Cool. Awesome. Close the yearbook. Yeah, no one no one likes the no one likes the freshman who wants to make sure that they tell you how good they are. It's it it, it about now, not about not about last May. No, and it's what what are you gonna do to help us win here? Like what you did there doesn't does nothing for me. So like, what do you what do you bring to the table every day to help us win here? Because that's really right. what we're all in this for. Well, Coach Picardi, do you have any closing thoughts? I think the self awareness piece is what I can get across to, to not only players but coaches too. Be be self aware, uh, and and really try and listen twice as much as you speak. And this is coming from someone who never shuts up. The, 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 the true growth comes from really starting to listen and, and not necessarily speak. Coach Glass, any you don't shut up, Mark? Bobby. Is that what you just said? <laughs> I'm the unofficial mayor of college baseball and I would have it no other way. <laughs> the position I, I hold with great honor. We get to do this for a living. It's awesome. You're the best, Bobby. We are delighted that you joined us today. Can't oh. thank you enough. I know um, enjoying a little downtime with with the family, much deserved. Um, please tell them all we said hello. Oh, they'll they'll be listening as soon as the episode comes out. Fantastic. Well, for all of you who are watching on YouTube, Keith, what's the direction? Smash it. Smash the like button. Smash subscribe. Smash it, Bobby. Oh, we will. Baseball at Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to find out more about what me and Keith do to help families, 
navigate the recruiting process, uh, check us out on www.emdbaseball.com on the interwebs. Coach Picardo, once again, can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you soon.